Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, Inspiring People and Places, we are back. We end our DOD to AEC Skill Bridge Highlight Month of November, MCFA Salute to Service, and we roll right into an Army-Navy episode. Today, I am excited to have our guest, somebody who has been behind the scenes at MCFA and behind the scenes of the Inspiring People and Places podcast, making introductions to a few of the guests you've heard over the last couple of months. Allow me to welcome Eric Quinn to the show. Eric, how are you? I'm great, BJ. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Eric is both a a longtime listener of the Inspiring People and Places podcast and has been our fractional COO, fractional integrator at MCFA. Uh, For those of you who have heard me talk about the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS, and Gino Wickman in the past, Eric joined us in May, uh, maybe end of April, uh, early May to help us look down on the business. So Eric, tell us about your fractional integrator. So just give everybody kind of a, a sense of what a fractional integrator is and and you know pitch your company as as a starting point and then we'll we'll dig in. Sure. So in the EOS world, entrepreneurial operating system, most of the elements are taken from the greats, Jim Collins and and Stephen Covey, all of those. And but a few of the elements are, I think, truly unique. And one of them is the concept of the what we call the accountability chart, which lays out accountabilities and functions, not people. And then the other is the concept of an integrator. And this is different than a president. This is different than a chief of staff. It's the yin to the yang of the visionary. And what Uh, Gino found is the people that really make things happen are these visionaries that have these big ideas, tons of energy, emotional, but they sometimes aren't great at execution or accountability or people management. And take Walt Disney, Roy Disney. Without Roy Disney, his accountant brother, we would have never heard of Walt Disney and vice versa. So it's when you what they say is when you get that yin to the yang, you get rocket fuel, which is the follow-on book to traction. So the role of the integrator is to own the PL, own the business plan, and be the leader of the senior leadership team and sits between the visionary and the leadership team and is responsible for execution of the vision. So it's the visionary's vision, and it's the job of the integrator is to integrate the senior leadership team and execute that vision according to. Uh, what's been prescribed. Most of the time, this is a full-time employee of the company. Uh, At best, uh, it's a promote from within, or sometimes you go external. For companies that are, say, in the second stage of EOS, when the visionary is sitting in both seats, they're the visionary and the integrator. And let's say they're wired to be a visionary. Huge ideas, Tons of energy, all gas, no brakes. Um, 
then there's going to be some issues probably in the company. And there's going to be some right people, right seat issues. There's going to be some gaps in the leadership team. There's going to be some accountability issues typically. And when companies are stuck and there isn't a logical integrator on the team, you can go outside to what I like to say is more interim integrator done on a fractional basis is bring an experienced integrator in, someone who's done this before, has worked with other companies and sits in that integrator seats, uses the uh, position and the tools to build out, get the leadership team right, right people, right seat, right accountabilities defined for those functions, get the system integrated in partnership with the EOS implementer, the facilitator. And when we get to a point where we've got the team in place and the system's running, we look to handoff. So we look for that ideal fit integrator that's permanent and is the right hand to the visionary. Awesome. That's what I did. Yep. So I'm going to take the moment to shout out to Castle Six Group and Mike Ellicott, who is a EOS facilitator and implementer, not an integrator. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't confuse the two, everybody. But he is who introduced me to Eric. And I thought we had a capacity issue at MCFA on the leadership team, a capacity gap. We we were growing. uh, We were doing well. And I needed somebody to help me organize and bring an outside perspective and bring the, the EOS framework to MCFA for us to to look at ourselves in the mirror and also have somebody sitting at the leadership table, not not just the facilitator, but somebody sitting at the leadership team uh, with some experience in our industry who is helping us look down on our business and look at, hey, how do we how do we unstick this capacity issue? Where should we be putting in capacity issue? And I'm excited to tell everybody that over the last six months, we've we've kind of dug deep inside of ourselves, looked around, certainly looking at a 10x versus a 2x mindset of how do we continue to to grow our company, build our our um, build our company, execute this this big vision that we have, and we've started filling some of those right people, right seats, which I, I haven't announce maybe i'll announce it on linkedin before i put it out there we have john nelson on the team now who is our cfo back to the future coming back to mcfa he was originally the cfo and and uh, sort of a president of mcfa in the early days and and recruited me in as part of uh before he departed and and went to academia for the last couple of years so he's one of the seats that eric has helped us identify help me think through what do we need in that role, uh, who are potential candidates. And we look forward to uh, another leadership team addition, hopefully here in the not too distant future. He's probably listening right now. And and this is me telling him, come join MCFA, but beat Navy. So your company, Eric, that I liked how you said it, an interim integrator on a fractional basis Tell us where people can learn about you and your company and your services, just so that we can be using the chat yeah, to market you. Yeah, my company is Navigator Consulting Services. So navigatorconsultingservices.com, a little bit about me and my background. I am also affiliated with a group of like-minded interim fractional integrators. That group is called True FI, True Fractional Integrators. And that is a group, there's 11 of us. 
that are all former integrators, COOs, presidents doing the same model of coming in, working with the visionary to install and further execute EOS, get those right people, right seat issues done. And our job is working ourselves out of a job. Our job is to leave pretty much as soon as possible. The faster we leave, the better we did. So it's not to hang on in a in a steady state, but to get in, deliver value, and get out. So that's and true, that's true fractional integrators. And that is, you know, where where we're getting to. Eric and I had a conversation yesterday, and it's now it's it's right people, right seats is the EOS language. Right seat, left seat is a military language of you know how do we start to transition mission. So Eric and I are planning that right now. And and to Eric's point, his job, you know, sad for me, his job is to come in and then work himself out of a job. So he's got to come in, build rapport with the team, help us build cohesion, help us I look at ourselves, be a part of our team. But then the faster he works himself out of the job, probably the better job he's doing. So it, it's working here. So shout out to Mike again for introducing us. And for those who haven't heard me talk about entrepreneurial operating system before, or all this language is crazy to you, Mark O'Donnell, who is now the CEO, I should shake him down and tell him he needs to sponsor this one. I'm not being paid to talk about EOS. I just have found it to be a very powerful framework and uh, blueprint for, for looking at the company. And, and I'll stop talking about it, and then we'll get into Eric's background, uh, which led him to this to, to where we are today. But Mark O'Donnell was my original facilitator. Gino Wickman sold the company to private equity, I think, and and Mark became the lead visionary. So he was my original integrator, my or uh, not integrator, implementer. Man, see, even I get these the vocab confused. Which let me that'll be my last point. Common language is one of the most powerful things that gives, and as we look to expand and deploy EOS internally throughout our company and potentially externally with future acquisitions or mergers, to me, this framework is is kind of our standard operating procedure for how we execute. Um, I think one of the taglines of EOS is your company has to run on a system. This is a system and it's a, it's a pretty powerful and uh, I found usable, unique framework to uh, to get where you're trying to go. All right. Yeah, enough about what I find just go to, ahead. to tag on that is that standard language. You know, we saw that in the military, those standard commands um repeating back, you know, in combat or on the bridge of a ship or wherever you are, confusion is devastating. So even in a simple when we have meetings, we start with one person, we go clockwise. Why do we go clockwise? Because it's the same. It's standard and we don't waste time and there's no confusion. So that's really important. And again, it's just about executing the vision. So great bridge. You mentioned like we had in the military, and this is our army Navy, if I may, because I'm the host, it's our beat Navy episode. Talk to us about where Eric Quinn started his career. Sure. So I grew up in Florida. So I always loved the water. Wanted to serve my country, so Naval Academy was uh, a dream and a great place to start. I'll start with Go Navy, Beat Army, <laughs> of course. Went 
to the Naval Academy. It was an amazing experience, challenging, as you've all heard. My dream was to be a Navy pilot. Uh, that you know, just what could be better than that? What could be more exciting to a young guy? And s- something interesting happened. Every summer we have to go away for training. Each summer is different. You first summer is deployed on a ship as it, with the crew, uh, serving as enlisted. Second summer is more broadening, and the third summer is you're shadowing a junior officer in the fleet. And again, I want to be a pilot. Going on a ship was boring. This wasn't for me. Um, but you do your assignment. And I was shadowing a guy who was a division officer on an amphib out of uh, Pearl Harbor. And he had 24 senior enlisted and sailors assigned to him. And in that five week period, I found how exciting that was and how meaningful it was and how connected I felt to his job. That he had, that he was a, he was probably 24 years old and he had responsibility for equipment, but the well being of this division. And I came back, went to an app, back to Annapolis and decided to give up on flight school and take a, a different path. Because in the aviation community, it's years before you get uh, people uh, responsibility because your, your job is to, fly. And in the surface community, you get it right away. My first division, 29 sailors, two chiefs, amazing opportunity, 22 years old. I'll repeat that. Being responsible for weapon systems, sonar systems, and again, the, the well-being of, of this important group of, of people. Awesome. And then how how did your transition to the civilian sector come about? Was it just, hey, end time in service and and I'm ready or or what what was going on in your in your life at the time, and how did that transition? yeah, the, the the career was going well. I was an aide to an admiral in Pensacola, but this was pre nine eleven and post Cold War. So what was the mission? The mission was go away and protect. but the military at the time was struggling with its why, um, we, which is a great lesson for all of us. Is you know we are serving, and there just wasn't that strong why. We're here to defend against the Soviets. We're here to protect against a specific threat. So without that, it was just a lot of time away and still very meaningful, but it wasn't as exciting to me. And I decided to uh, pursue a business career. So. Went to the University of Florida, go Gators, got my MBA and started a career. You know, you would think from the military, you go into big business. So I worked for Fortune 50, Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble, I found, was just like the Navy, except without the guns. We even had a uniform and uh, it was way too slow. I didn't realize that, you know, everything I had done in my career up to that point in school was formal, organized, structured, and I get into more of that. And I realized because I had choices at that time, boy, this isn't a lot of fun because all you're doing is doing what the person before you did, hopefully a little better. And just had an itch and left the big safe company and spent the rest of my career in entrepreneurial businesses. So what was your first entrepreneurial business that you joined? There's a company called Costa Sales and Marketing. They're now a multi-billion dollar sales and marketing agency. 
representing consumer products companies to places like Publix and Walmart. So it was representing companies in a as an outsourced sales and marketing environment. Uh, I think we were 15 million at the time. Wow. And it was scrappy, you know, and every day you moved the needle. Every day you tried, you were figuring out the business model as you were executing it, serving clients, serving their customers. Uh, and it was always very exciting. 15 mil to multi-bill? Yes. Lots of acquisitions. Lots of acquisitions. The market was extremely fragmented and they started the trend of roll-up of local they call food brokers and uh yeah it pays to be a first mover yeah yeah it's possible (laughs) yeah and then from there talk to us about your how you started getting leadership experience and familiar with or introduced to the eos where where did that happen yeah so i did a startup which was a, a spinoff of Acosta, and it failed. So, you know, obviously terrible, but probably one of the most valuable lessons, set of lessons in my career. And, you know, that failure and you learning from that stayed in that sector. It was logistics of consumer products at the time. And then uh, met some folks in California that had a tile and stone business that was predominantly West Coast based. They were looking to expand. They had a factory in Portugal, factory in Mexico, but really wanted to expand to the East Coast. I was in Florida again, uh, met them, and was going to run the East Coast, Texas East, fill in the white space, do my thing, build a team, put the systems in place, uh, but just execute their plan. Next thing I know, less than a year, I'm the head of sales. And then 2008 hits, and two owners uh, that you know, we're running the business really found, you know, that the environment was a, was a big struggle and some major things happened. And I got the call that we need professional leadership. So we need you to be president of the company, fly out to California and take the reins. And my first call of action was Kathy, can we make payroll? Because it was, (laughs) it was rough. It was rough. Lots of debt, big cash call from our biggest customer. And it was a crisis. And so, you know, when you ask, so did that for eight years of so the 10 that I was there, was president and two great owners, very visionary, very visionary. And we suffered from a lot of whiplash. Um, mm. Every year at our annual planning meeting, my agenda top title was our focus is focus. And in fact, I heard a quote this morning that could be attributed to Confucius is, the person who chases two rabbits catches neither. I've heard that also. Yeah. And that was us. You know, we were chasing a lot of rabbits. If it had something to do in the tile industry, we were doing it. So consolidated a lot, you know, a lot of crisis management, emphasis on prioritization, building trust, building team, Uh, got that to a cash flowing business, international business doing very well. And it was time to go. It was my work was done there uh, because I really found that I enjoyed working on the business more than in the business. In the business is great, uh, depending on your industry. But I really found, you know, it goes back to that story when I was 20 years old of being drawn to leading and managing people. 
And I found that I really enjoyed that. So left that business. And that's when I discovered EOS. That's when I read Traction and Rocket Fuel. And I said two things. Where were you when I needed you? This system <laughs> would have been awesome <laughs> as we were uh, going back and forth and chasing rabbits. And the other was, oh, oh, you're an integrator. You know, and, and that was a great lesson. And we'll, if we get to transitioning veterans, be a piece of advice is know thyself. Know who you are. Because I've always been attracted to the entrepreneurial business, but wasn't that entrepreneur, wasn't that visionary, and but knew I loved it, knew I could contribute and add a lot of value. Just didn't see, a, I just didn't know anybody like me that was running a business for entrepreneurs that didn't come from the industry or, or the business itself. Yeah. So I said, oh, okay. If I get a gig like that, sign me up. I got a call from a search firm, EOS integrator position in Orlando, Florida for a project management, construction management company, sign me up. So that's how I learned EOS and it all came together. So you've been in Fortune 500 company, you've been in, you know, one of the biggest organizations in the world in the Navy and and the leadership lessons there and the entrepreneurial community. What what are some of your greatest lessons learned in navigating any leadership challenge? You know, the PMCM world certainly brings project challenges. The the startup business that you talked about certainly has had its challenges. So you've navigated a lot of these challenges. Talk to us about some of the leadership lessons and, and maybe the EOS frameworks that you think serve leaders well. Yeah, I think... I think a lot of it goes back to some of my core values, which is to help first. And if you have a health first servant leadership mindset, your priorities are in the right place. Um, the other is trust, building trust. Um, you have to establish trust with those that you lead, whether they are employees, uh, the troops, uh, sub-consultants, if you're leading a project, uh, other Peers on the project, owners need to be led. Um, so, and trust can be built. Uh, I love what Stephen M. R. Covey, Stephen Covey's son, talks about in his book, Speed of Trust. Trust has two components character and competence, meaning you may trust me with your checkbook, but you may not trust me to do brain surgery, right? So, I, I may have the character, but I may not have the competence. And the opposite is true. So, and there's a lot of things you can do to build trust, showing up on time, following through, doing what you say you're going to do. They are non-character based, but build trust over time. And a team, building team is really important to me as well, is pulling on all the strings to get a unit together as one, uh, self-sacrifice, checking your ego, having mutual respect, not caring about who gets the credit, those types of things. I am going to put you on the spot and you've been at MCFA for six months. One of the things that I think maybe drew you to us and, and certainly me to you was this common background of, of military. You see what we're trying to do with uh, veterans and, and you helped us with clarifying our vision for 1000 project leaders. What are some of your lessons learned? And, and you can take shots at me while we do this. Lessons learned in the six months at MCFA about who we are, what are what we're doing in the industry, 
you know, any reactions to that war stories, I want people to understand, you know, behind the curtain, we're, we're a constant work in progress. Our vision and our intentions, I believe are a hundred percent right. But the execution, the building the team, the getting everybody on the same page, you know, sometimes we're not all in the same book, let alone the same chapter. And, and we're trying to get everybody on the same page while operating a company, serving clients, which is the number one priority because that's that's the lifeblood of the company today. So just your reactions over the last you know five, six months being a part of what we're doing and any lessons learned or 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 reactions to that. So I can take shots. Take shots. How yep. long do we have? It's arm it's Army Navy week. This How is long do we have for the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's I would say you know, because the company was successful by most standards when I got here. And without a formally established leadership team. So we had people in leadership positions. And again, to an outsider, it may look great. And certainly the results were exceptional. But there just wasn't a system. There wasn't a way for the team to get together. We had some of that left seat, right seat. And that was more as defining what the functions of the company, what the what functions did we need from a leadership team to lead the company. And I think the biggest challenge here is was defining the vision. And that sounds so easy is, oh, you're here to execute the vision. Just, okay, BJ, you talk, you put a lot of content out, you're public, you but it's really refining it and making sure that everyone understands it, truly understands it, because this is a this is a different business model. This is a old, established industry with very successful, very established uh, giants. And what you're doing is going against the grain, and it's different. It's decentralized. It's inspiring. It's, um, you know, putting the growth of the company out to the, to the field, to the folks that make it happen. And it's different. And I think what I saw was we had a lot of really great people doing what they thought were best for the company. They had the right intentions and they thought this was what best. And some of it was based on this is how it's done in the industry. And we're going to just do it a little better. And your vision is different. You don't want to do it a little better. You want to blow it up. And that was, you know, just understanding. I thought I understood it in the first couple of months, but it took me several months when, and not that I'm anything special, but I was really focused on trying to understand it so we could define it and, and communicate that. So. Yeah. You can't execute what you don't know. And, you know, you can't hit the target you're not aiming for, right? So that was the hardest thing was to get this unique vision that you have that you that was burning inside of you and you knew it crystal clear. But the rest of us didn't. And, and that was the challenge. I think that's, been the that's a great it was a great lesson for me because everybody, not everybody, I've heard. Mark O'Donnell used to say it. I've heard it in in a number of different books. You need to say it seven times before people hear it for the first time. 
And you need to say it seven times once it's defined and clearly articulated, right? Yep. You kept hearing me articulate it in different different venues, talking to partners, talking to potential employees, talking to our leadership team, talking to, you know, inside of a leadership management. And what you pointed out to me was was all of the nuance in what we were doing and the ability to hone in the language so that that nuance is what's being repeated not not this overarching concept strategy that hey we're going to innovate the industry through empowering people but really specifically helping everybody understand from where they sit why they're at the leadership table and why they're at the leadership table for this vision and and how that piece of of the company's execution and the company's business model contributes to this vision of developing project leaders, recruiting project leaders, inspiring people in places on the client side. And, and I won't get into all of that here, but to me, that's that's the leadership lesson learned is bringing an outside perspective in that day one was bought into the energy, the the intent. And and the conceptual vision I was articulating to Eric, but then listening to it over time and and kind of being somebody that, whether intentionally or unintentionally, was was allowing me to bounce how I said what I say off, and then hearing it in meetings and how it's being received by different parties based on their backgrounds, based on their their piece of the pie and what they're doing on a day to day basis. So I. Again, I I say EOS was the framework and and the mirror that was being held up, but having Eric at the table was allowing somebody that wasn't in the weeds with the team, again, executing the business, serving the day-to-day client. He came in to help help us systematically build build a leadership team that will then build the flywheel that allows us to continue to build the company and and getting that vision well articulated, not just the metric of a thousand project leaders or the BHAG or or the you know definite aim, whatever you want to call it. You know, that that's the outcome vision, but really articulating the vision in a way that everybody can understand it. And I think we've probably went from me at 40% there to maybe 80% there and, and we're going to continue to refine it over the next next month while we roll it out to the rest of the company. And then Using EOS tied into to marketing and sales processes and recruiting and talent development processes, which again are all in in many ways from my perspective, we're doing a lot of it. This is this vision is helping all of them be, you know, there it's like patches of a quilt. EOS is the system that's allowing us to to uh pull that quilt together. Any other shots you want to take at me? Before I before we move to rapid fire questions and and my my beat. I mean, I could uh, talk about your poor education, but we don't have time. (laughs) Well played, well played. Inspiring people in places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE verified, service disabled, veteran owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. All right, rapid fire questions. You hit on Stephen Covey, Stephen M. R. Covey, Jim Collins. Talk to us about 
a most gifted book or a favorite book? Uh, I would say there's a book. It's a little bit obscure now. It's it's somewhat hard to find. It's called How Winning Works. And I've given you this book. And it's my favorite. And it's a it's written by a woman named Robin Benicasa. She's a firefighter and was the leader of world championship adventure racers. So think Mark Burnett, survivor stuff. Five days, you know, one day is hiking, one day maybe camelback riding, one may be dirt biking, one could be swimming, kayaking. And you need, you know, typically it's about five members of the team, six, there has to be one of a different gender. So typically she's the lone woman and it's just grueling 24 you know, 24 by five, 24 by six days of extreme conditions, exhaustion, all of the elements, putting a team to the test. And because it's different activities, no one can be great at any of it. And what she found was it wasn't the most talented teams. It wasn't the team with the greatest hiker, the greatest kayaker, and the greatest mountain climber. It was the best teams. It was the ones that worked together, that sacrificed, that put mission ahead of self, had mutual respect, managed through adversity, these types of things. And, you know, she found common themes. She has eight elements that she's discovered of how winning works. And this is how teams win together. She would say, you know, if we found a team of all stars at the starting line, they just shake their heads and say, we're going to smoke them. You know, because halfway through the race, they're arguing with each other and they, you know, she would just know how to build teams of the right people that shared that vision and yeah. executed in a common way. So How Winning Works, unique, great book and very interesting. The stories are great. The lessons are great. And even if you're not a leadership junkie like you and I, it's a great read. Awesome. How about favorite quote? Favorite quote, probably too hard to probably too hard to narrow one down. I'll take a pass on that one. All right. Dinner party. If you could have three guests dead or alive at a dinner party, who would they be? Well, going back to leadership, my favorite leadership movie, probably favorite movie of all time is Apollo 13. I think you could cut that movie up into a hundred snippets and play them in leadership classes. It's just classic story and and they did a great job. So I say Jim Lovell, it was the commander of Apollo 13, uh probably another great leader that you've mentioned James Stockdale, Medal of Honor winner, senior and senior POW during Vietnam and of course Roger Staubach, you know, great army navy veteran, navy quarterback who just had his numbers retired. So I guess there's a common theme between those three. It fits for the week. All proud Naval Academy leaders and heroes. Um, anything that we didn't touch on today that you want to you want to talk about? Yeah, a couple of things. You know, we I, I love the mission here, where you're putting service ahead of profits at MCFA, and there's nothing wrong with profits. Profits are actually very noble. Jordan Peterson talks about you know. You're providing jobs, you're providing self-esteem, you're providing great service to your clients. So that's a very noble pursuit. On top of that, your mission of serving veterans, 
bringing veterans to the client community, but also helping them transition and serving not only veterans, but their family, spouses, military spouses is something to be admired. And I'd say, you know, to transitioning veterans, said it before, know thyself, you know, don't follow a career path when you get out or pursue something that whether it, that sounds good or someone else told you is the best, whatever the best, the best is what's best for you, not what's best for somebody else. And, and that doesn't, you know, if it means pursuing money, well, maybe that's not what you want. Maybe that's not what brings you joy and energy. So take some time to really understand what brings you joy and energy. What are your talents? What are your gifts? And, and pursue that more than what you think is going to make you quote successful. Uh, can I, I, I got to interject on that. And I hate to do it this week because it's a Navy SEAL that wrote this book. And it's How Leadership Actually Works by Larry Yatch. And I, I saw him speak, and which led me to buy his book. And in his discussion, he talked about success and how we all get it wrong because we all make it achievement-based. And achievements aren't success. His definition of success, I'm looking at the whiteboard right now because I put it up there. Success equals an optimized daily experience sustained over time. He said success is a feeling and you got to figure out what you do on a daily basis that is going to make you have that feeling every day and then build your life and your business and your career and your family systems around it to enable that. And it's not like happiness where it's, you know, it doesn't mean there's a lack of struggle, but it does mean that you have to be thinking about an optimal daily experience not one time, sustained over time. Talked about achievements, goal accomplishment, and the constant pursuit of the next thing and how as soon as you get the car or you get the job, or you, the, that, that feeling of, quote, success is fleeting, whereas true success is figuring out what an optimized daily experience is. And it's the first time I've heard it put that way, but it was really paradigm shifting and impactful for me to hear it in, in the way that he was, he was talking about it enough so that I bought the, the $20 book. So I, I do encourage everybody and it, it goes in line with what Eric's saying is don't chase the money or the compensation because somebody tells you that's a definition of success. Money is an outcome and, and, it, you know, to, to uh, Eric's point about, Jordan Peterson and and profits are noble and like profits are also responsible. We're we're not sacrificing profitability for service, right? They have to be integrated because it's the lifeblood of of building and growing our impact and our mission. But if if you if you're gonna have an argument with me or arm wrestle me with my CFO over, you know, a two percent profit margin versus a thousand person impact, I'm taking the thousand person impact. Um so I, I just wanted to to put an exclamation point on on know thyself and really think about what an optimized daily experience is because there's a lot of people out there trading time for money, chasing the almighty dollar and missing out on soccer games or football games or or you know the other things that make an optimal daily experience. So thanks for giving me the window. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and just to continue on the veteran side, in this stage of my career, looking back for those employers out there, if you think of uh, veterans, think of those in the military, you're talking about a group of people that at 17 or 16 years old decided to put others before self, something else, something bigger than them above themselves, whether they were fortunate enough to go to one of the academies like us, whether they enlisted straight out of high school, they put service before self. And, you know, so as a chicken or egg, but, you know, and then the military forms you. And where else can you get such experience at such a young age? You know, for some of us, it's it's leadership, it's people. But for many, you could be a technician on an aircraft or uh, weapon systems, or you could be have the lives of your platoon uh, members in your hands at 18, 19, 20. So... Uh, yes, those opportunities form you, and it forms a person who puts service before self. And I can't think of a business or an organization that wouldn't benefit from folks like that. Amen. All right, talk to me about Tombstone. How do you want to be remembered? Um, service first. Uh, definitely help first. Help first. And then... If people want to get in touch with you, I know you're on LinkedIn. What is what is the best way to get in touch with you? LinkedIn's best. All my contact information is there. That's the best. Perfect. We will uh, we will make sure we link Eric's link Eric's LinkedIn to the show notes. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for all of your help at MCFA over the last six months, and and let's uh, may the best academy win. Well, I'll enjoy singing second. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Go Army, beat Navy, and have Beat a Army. Thanks. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.